שלום עליכם, שבוע טוב, ראש חודש טוב. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC, and broadcasting from this beautiful station, the station of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Alakha, and religious music. Today I'm going to speak about Parashat Bodedot. You know, the last three parashiyot that we read were talking about Abraham Avinu Al-Rishon. The next six parashiyot We'll be talking about Yaakov Avinu. There's only one parasha that speaks in detail about Yitzchak Avinu. One. Parashat Toledot, which we read yesterday. And there is a passage there which is very, very interesting and very revealing. You know, they say, Ma'aseh Avot, Siman Labanim. The deeds, the actions, the events that happened to our ancestors, to our uh, forefathers, they are a sign that they're going to be repeating themselves for the children. And that's exactly what's happening. You know, there's been, for the last 2,000 years, there's been a vicious cycle, unfortunately, for the Jews. They... Basically, uh, in two words, they would come in as paupers, uh, as, as a poor people in a country, and they work very hard. Uh, they use their, their brains, and they, they advance, and they become quite wealthy until the government throws them out of the land. And let's see how this is actually happening in Parashat Olidot. It starts by there was famine in the land. There was famine. No food. So it's Avinu. He did what Abraham Avinu did. Try to go out of Eskenan. Perhaps he had in mind to go to Mitzrayim, but then Hashem stopped him. He said, Altered Mitzrayim. Do not go down to Egypt. This is not like your father Abraham Avinu. You are Olatemima. You must stay in the Holy Land. So he settled where? In Gerar. In Gerar, he figured, after all, the king of Gerar, he had a covenant with Abraham Avinu that they're going to be allies, they're going to be friends. So this is the place to be. Well, one thing, the only one thing that was there was the fact that Abimelech did not get involved with Rivka Aminu, with Rivka Imenu. He says, Vaish'alu. They, they, they were, other people were asking. And again, he said, she was my sister, like Avram Avinu did. And, but Avimelech, he knew better. He knew not to interfere. At any rate, when he found out that she was actually his wife, not his sister, it says, by itself, Avimelech, El Kol Ha'am Lemor, Avimelech gave an order to all the people. Hanogia Ba'ish Hazeh of Ishto, Motuma. Whoever will cause any harm to this man or to his wife, Motuma, will be punished severely, even by death. Huh? Sounds great. Huh? 
He's a defender. He's a, he's a protector. Not so fast. Not so fast. First, understand really what's the, what the, the, the inner meaning of this. The story goes, a true story actually, uh, before World War II, uh, the, uh, a few years before that, there was a reporter that was going through one of the towns and he saw a, a group of Jews that were con congregating around a poster. A poster. And in this poster was reading, anyone who causes bodily harm to a Jew will be punished by the full extent of the law. And the Jews were very unhappy. Standing over there, very unhappy, talking to each other. Now, this reporter does know from nothing. He asks them, excuse me, like, why, why are you unhappy? It says that if anyone causes you any harm, they're going to be punished. So they answer him the following. Don't read just what it says. You have to read about what it doesn't say. Sure. It says about our, our own body. What about our, our possessions? What about our synagogues? What about our businesses? Our properties? That it doesn't say. What this means is they will not perhaps harm us personally. But if they would go ahead and destroy our property, there is no punishment. That's exactly what happens later. They started with the synagogue and the properties and everything else. You see, same thing with uh, Ishak Avinu. It's Golan Nogea. But later on, when they stuffed uh, his, his wells, there was no punishment. It was fine. Did anything wrong with no property? Nothing. No problem. That's what they mean. Sometimes the Goim, the Mashima, they try to show, hey, hmm, we're going to be a little different, try to protect you. But that's no protection. That is not a protection. So anyway, immediately after that, Yitzhak Avinu is coming from a land that was famine, was hunger, which means he had nothing with him. But Yitzhak Avinu was a worker. He wanted to do something. But Yitzchak Avinu planted in the land. HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed him in such a way that the, if the yield of a piece of land was a certain amount, a hundred bushels a year, well, with him, that same piece of land would have a hundred times more. 10,000 bushels. Instead of 100, it would be 10,000, 100,000 more. Beautiful. And it says that and he kept on going and be more and more wealthy. 
הכי גדל מאוד. It was very strong. ויהיו מקנה סון, מקנה בקר, לארה קטל, עבודה רבה. Hundreds of workers. To the point where people were saying, you know, זה ופרדותיו של יצחק, ולא כסף וזהב של אבינוה. To have food on the table. So uh, uh, the, the manure was used as fertilizer. In their mind, they thought, hey, this fertilizer gives him a hundred times yield. Wow, that's great. We could use it. They didn't realize this was from Akadosh Baruch. Just a beracha from Akadosh Baruch. Only for its hakavim. So he became very wealthy. And what happens after he becomes wealthy? All of a sudden, not jealousy. You're jealous. You can't. All this wealth from us belongs to us. No good. What about the contribution that he's giving to the world? After all, uh, it becomes very wealthy. That means he's employing a lot of people. He gave jobs. Hundreds of people uh, were working there, uh, making panasa from it. What about the fact that he was producing so much so that he can distribute to the people and, and, and they have food now? That's, that doesn't matter. We're jealous of him. The Ivri, the Jew. He can't. He can't stay wealthy. Like, he can't be strong. Something has to happen. So who comes to him? himself, the king. The king comes to him, ignores everything that he does, and without any diplomacy, without any kind of trying to be a little bit sympathetic or like that, straight to the point, lech me'imanu, go out of here. Get out! At some time, imenu me'ot. You are just too strong. No good. Out. But when I have where he goes out, he's not going to take his fields with him. He can't. He may take some of the cattle or whatever, but he can't take his fields. He can't take uh, the workers. Nothing. Now he's like, uh, they confiscate his land. Well, haven't we seen this thing throughout the ages, Rabotai? Take a look. In England, in 1290, that's about 700 years or so, King Edward I issued an edict of expul- expulsion of the Jews. And he was a king. He lived in great luxury, built palaces, extremely expensive decorations. So he was in great debt. How's he going to pay? Oh, you know what? Pretty simple. There's an easy way to pay back. Just throw out the Jews. Confiscate all their wealth. And all the debts that the people owed them. The Jews at that time, they were not allowed to do all kinds of businesses. 
They were not allowed to own real estate. All they did, miskinim, all they could do is, if they had some money, they would lend it with interest to the goyim, not to the Jews. And they take that back, and that's how they lived. So there was a lot of goyim that owed them money. The king was very happy. All those debts now will be paid to the king. Out. Very simple. No uh, no talk, no uh, uh, trying to figure out maybe, uh, uh, you know, uh, pay us so much or something. Out. Out of the country. How about 16 years later, 1306, King Philip IV in France. He was also short of money. Why? He was waging a war with the Flemish. And he didn't have money to pay. War is very expensive. It takes a big toll on the finances. So what did he do? <laughs> Same thing. You know, let me just expel the Jews of France and confiscate and sell off their property and help pay for the war. <laughs> very simple plan. And that's exactly what he did. Actually, this was a, a normal event in medieval history. To them, to the Goyim, it was perfectly legal for the king to take over the Jews' possessions as they were, in effect, the Jews were already his property, just like it belonged to him. They, they, they were regarded as, as servants to the king. They were the king's chattel to do with them as he saw fit. So, 100,000 Jews were told to leave the country. They were given a period of one month in which to flee or face the consequences. Of course, they had to leave behind their belongings and again, the debts that people owed them. And they were only allowed to leave with their own clothes and a tiny sum of money. That's it. Lech manu. This is the same. Go out. Go away. We don't want you. Oh, I don't have to tell you about uh, 1492 in Spain. A lot of you are familiar with that. Uh, the Spanish, uh, uh, they chased out the Jews. We've been there for centuries living very nicely there, contributing to the economy. And, of course, the, the land, the property was given, was taken away either by, either by the crown or, or by the church. Same thing. In Italy, they were thrown out in 1593. Between 1950 and 1951, 100,000 left Iraq or Israel. 100,000. They were very insecure. They were very much worried about their fate. And especially with the independence of Israel, they were worried about their own life. And their wealth was left over there. Algeria, after they gained, they gained its independence, okay? you know, in Mashimab, the Queen, sometimes they, uh, they think of all kinds of ways to show the people of the world, well, we're not just throwing out the Jews, you know. They're just living on their own. But what do they do? They do other things. They redefined the word citizen. 
citizen is a person who's born in the country, lives in the country. The Jews have been in Nigeria for centuries. But they redefined a citizen now legally was a person whose father is a Muslim and whose paternal grandfather was also a Muslim. Obviously, this is not going to, uh, <laughs> to sit well with the Jews. <laughs> the Jews uh, were Jews. So despite the fact that they were citizens for years and years and years, no way. They were stripped of their citizenship. But that's, again, that is the first step. Take away citizenship. You know, Mahshimam, the Nazis, they, did, they, they, they also had a similar trick. The Nazis, of course, you know, the Germans, they have to be legal all the time. You know, got to be legal. Now, the Jews were citizens, but they wanted to strip them from the citizenship first. What did they do? They passed the law. Whoever is a citizen, a Jew who is a citizen, goes out of Germany, loses his citizenship. So they took him on trains and they 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 they, they drove him in the trains to outside of the land, brought him back. Oh, he went out. <laughs> You're not citizens anymore. That's it. You're gone. Rabotai. 140,000 Jews were driven into exile by the fact that the Algerians have redefined what a citizen is. Fortunately, because Algeria was supposed to be a part of France, and the Algerians actually had also French citizenship they were able to move to France. So, Ishaq Avinu left. Lech Meimanu, go. They left. You know, we were far away from the town. You want some, uh, in a Halgarar, a little away from the town. And what happens? The Goim, they stuffed his wells. They stuffed them up. Filled them up with earth. Even though, there was a covenant with Abraham that these wells belonged to them. Nah, Tomarin. Forget it. But this Hakavinu, with the help of Akavishwaraku, still he was blessed. And he was thriving. And he was prosperous. So what happens now? Oh, Ami Melech sees, oh, it's Hakavinu, no matter what, he's still. Uh, doing very well. Something there must be Akalush Baruch who is with him. So they come to him as friends. Listen. Hey, now we see Raora Inuki Hashem We see that Hashem is with you. You're gonna have a, a berit, a covenant, an alliance between us. We're gonna be friends from now on. Well, this was done, you know, uh, uh, way many many in France, for example, the Jews were expelled brought back and expelled again a number of times. They bring them in, they make a lot of money, take their money, throw them out. Oh. But what else does he say? What else does he say to Yitzhak Avinu? He says, 
Hey, we didn't touch you. We didn't cause you any harm. We sent you in peace. Be happy. They tell a parable about a lion. A lion is supposed to be the king of the forest. A lion had a thorn in his throat. And he was in very, very bad mood and, and, and groaning and screaming. And so he was asking any, any animal that would come and remove the thorn will be rewarded handsomely. So the fox came but couldn't do it. Another one came, couldn't do it. Finally, one bird with a long beak said, well, I'm going to do it. Okay, so of course, he puts his long beak inside, picks the, the, uh, the thorn, takes it out. So now the bird asks the lion, give me my reward. Hasuf. Reward? You have a lot of gall. Insolent person. Brazen. You had your whole head in my mouth. I could have crushed you in just in one swoop. And you're telling me you want a reward? Well, this is exactly what every minute is telling <laughs> You were in our hands. We could have really, really uh, uh, g- g- given you a, a lot of harm. But uh, we sent you peace. Yeah. Fine. Yitzchak uh, Avinu, he did. He agreed to have an alliance with him. But this happened many times where he asked the Jews to come back. To this day, uh, uh, Spain uh, has declared any Sephardic Jew who wants to come back to uh, to Spain will get automatic citizenship. I mean, they recognize they did something wrong 500 years ago. They sent them out. That was unlawful. Well, you know what? We're going to give you a citizenship if you want. Come. Who wants them anyway? Lomi Oksech, Belomi Dubshech. We don't need them. When you look into this, there's a great message over there. And that is, the only protector we have is the Borei. Don't think, this one is our friend. This one is our friend. That country, will, if there are any, if there's any country that shows any help, any assistance, it's because it's in their own interest to do so. Look, a couple of weeks ago, there were two Arabs in Mashimam they came into a synagogue. And they murdered and wounded many, many Jews. Now, did you see that in, in anywhere like a throughout the world in newspapers. Did the leaders, even of the free world, condemn it? You know, I ask you a question. Suppose it was the other way around. Suppose he had two Jews 
walking into a mosque and killing and wounding a lot of Arabs, I guarantee you, you will see it in big, large print on the front page of the New York Times and all over the newspaper, all over the world. Yeah, that's what it is. Jewish blood, malish. When you kill the Arabs, oh, all over. No, no, you can't do that. See, Rabutai, we have no real friends. Our protector is Akalush Baruch. And he sends us very often messages to show how he protects us. Unfortunately, not all of us see it. Why don't we praise him? Why don't we show Hakarata Tov, gratefulness to Hashem? During the Gulf War, 39 Scud missiles were launched against Israel, hardly anything. A couple of them were launched on the Americans. Ooh, a lot of Americans were killed. What does that say to you? Eh? Even, even recently, the, the Hamas uh, uh, war, uh, recently, a couple of months ago, how many rockets did they, did they, they launch? There were thousands of them, thousands. What happened? Somehow, he, he helped to protect Israel. Now, don't you see how the boy Olam is carrying his duty to save us, to protect us? Every day, just think about this. There are 22 Arab states. Twenty two Arab states that hate Israel. Plus add to that amount Iran. And now even Turkey. Even Turkey now. Can you imagine if God forbid all these people got together and wanted to fight Israel? Can you imagine? Hashem He causes strife quarrels, divisions between them, so that they're too busy killing each other. The Shiite killing the Sunnis, the Sunnis killing the Shiite, the extreme Sunnis killing the moderate Sunnis, and so on and so forth. So, the message of today is, let us recognize the body of Allah. His beneficence is bestowing upon us every single day all times and let us be grateful we let's verbalize it yes that you're helping us and protecting us every single day but I want to mention again that uh, this station is really doing a lot of good a lot of good service to the community I want you to Try your best, make every effort to help it to prosper and thrive. And if you have any simha, why don't you contact us at SLC? We have a beautiful uh, 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 social hall for any simha to accommodate you. Shalom Rosh